Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Randy Mitchell. Jesus said to his disciples, Ye are the salt of the earth and the light of the world. Salt and Light confronts the difficult and often controversial issues that affect today's culture. The only hope for this generation is for more people to follow Jesus Christ and for his followers to be salt and light in their community. Pastor Randy will discuss the Bible solutions to help us know what God says about the problems we face today. Salt and Light is a ministry of Temple Baptist Church in Statesville, North Carolina. Here's your host, Pastor Randy Mitchell. Welcome to Salt and Light. Randy Mitchell, Max Robinson, joy to be with you this morning. We trust that you are doing well, and uh, we are excited about uh, the opportunity to bring some Bible principles here today. Brother Max, uh, we're going to be talking about money. Money, money, money. People, money. People like to have money, and I don't know if people like to talk about money. They just like to get money, but uh, money's going to be our topic. And last week we talked about a very salty topic, um, gambling and uh, lotteries and stuff like that, and we took a look at what the Bible has to say about it. Today is going to be a little bit more on the you know salt and light program. It's going to be more light. Uh, we're going to be talking about a little bit of salty, maybe something that people don't like talking about, and that's indebtedness and what the Bible says about that. And, of course, there are a lot of um, radio ministries out there that really are very um, big empires that they built corporations and businesses just helping people with their debt. And some yeah. of them are ministries, some of them are businesses, some of them are a little bit of both. And uh, we're not going to try to pretend to be, you know, financial gurus here today, but we are ministers of the Word of God, and it's our responsibility to be salt and light and to tell people what the Bible says about it. So before we get into that topic, though, I do want to talk about something we talked about last week, and that was our Master Club program. We are a week closer to Master Club starting and so uh, tell our listeners a little bit about our Master Club program at Temple Baptist Church. As we're just a, a few short weeks on Wednesday nights starting our full program, our full club program for the, the upcoming 2023-2024 year. Uh, as we mentioned last week, we every Wednesday night, even during the summer, we spend the first half hour those that are in the Masters Club program, and we're still reviewing stuff, keeping it fresh. We do a few games, we're singing uh, some songs, and we're going through some instructional stuff as well for 10, 15 minutes. Uh, and just to keep it fresh with our children, keep it, keep them primed and ready for the upcoming year. But the upcoming year is coming quickly, and you know we do have our pre-K uh, clear through sixth grade. And we have classes for each of these kids, and we break it up in three different areas for these age groups. And, you know, we're going to begin with our opening assembly. We do some pledges, but we have some songs. And we're actually challenging the kids as well, some things that we're going to give prizes for, yeah. awards. I shouldn't say prize, award for accomplishing things like for scripture memorization, for uh, books of the Bible, just trying to incentivize our kids. They need to know the Word of God. You know, if I could interject this, there are so many kids that go to church their whole life, and they they don't know the books of the Bible. They can't say it. And a lot of times when the teacher or the preacher says, turn in your Bibles too, they have to go to the front page where the contents are, find the page. Yeah. And that's what every Christian, and there are adults that 
don't know the books of the Bible. And that's where it starts. Everybody, every Christian ought to know the books of the Bible. Now, sometimes I admit, if the preacher says, turn to the book of Habakkuk, you know, my brain, if I'm going to figure out exactly where it is, I can't pick up in the middle of the memorization. I have to start at Genesis, and yeah, so I, I may freeze time. there for a second because I can't just go right to it. And so, if I'm around other preachers or Christians, if I'm in a meeting, you know, it's just like, oh, please, Lord, let me find it quick because <laughs> my brain's <laughs> locked up because I'm on the spot. I, I, I get that. Yeah, but I know the and books that of happens. the Bible. Right. Yeah. If if I start saying them in succession, I can go through it, but. Uh, a lot of people can't, and we certainly want our kids to know. Um, and we want to encourage them in that. And I know we shouldn't have to give prizes and things for every little thing we do. We should want to learn and do. But I know for me, 50 years ago, when I was in Sunday school, I had a Sunday school teacher that incentivized us to learn the books of the Bible. Yeah, I was in third grade. She, I still remember this. She took us to, if we did it, which I did, she took us to a restaurant in Reno, Nevada that was called the Pepper Mill. And we got to order anything. We, wow. This was a nice restaurant. Yeah. I had crab. <laughs> I felt guilty a little later because my mom's like, you know, you ordered like the real expense. She said I could have <laughs> yeah. what I wanted. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it stuck with me. Yeah. And not only the Pepper Mill and crab, but the books of the Bible have been on my head, in my mind, and I can quote them, and I do know them, even though when you preach once in a while, and I'm, <laughs> I do know where it's at, I know the direction, and I can find it. And yeah. it's important. Scripture that I learned as a kid, those scriptures, I'm not saying every one of them, but a lot of them still come up to my mind. And even in talking and dealing with people, those things come back to memory. And when when you work with the kids on memorizing the books of the Bible, do you like salivate thinking, I, I deserve a crab dinner? <laughs> uh, hanging, yeah. And we're not offering that. No, but you know, and We do so, have other prizes, but it, we're not offering and, crab and, dinners. And it's true. It's like learning the Bible, it should be fun. And we try to make it fun for the kids. You know, you go back to several generations ago, and, uh, you know, I didn't grow up in this environment, but I heard older adults that some of them grew up in, like, the old uh, parochial schools where, you know, maybe the the Catholic nun was the teacher, and they're notorious to, you know, if you didn't know the the finger. That's right. they take the ruler and just smack the fire out of the back of your hand. I had a kindergarten teacher. Now, this wasn't Sunday school. This was kindergarten that we had these little cubicles. And so if we, she'd be walking around behind you and you wouldn't really be able to see her because this cubicle completely, you know, three-sided cubicle. And if she would look over your shoulder and you weren't doing something right, she'd take her finger and her thumb and she'd thump you on the top of the head you know, you can't get away with that these days, but, I, I mean, you talk about a hurt. It's like, ow! And those are different kinds of incentives. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> most of the time, most of the time I'd get thumped on the head, and I didn't even have a clue what I was doing wrong. <laughs> but it just, you know, it was a different day and age. So, folks, we're not going to do anything like that, but we do want to encourage, um, we want visitors to come. Some of you listeners, you you have children, you want them to learn the Bible, you want them to learn how to serve God, 
This is like vacation Bible school one night a week yeah. all year long. And so you can come and, you know, drop your kids off. We, we have a registration on our website. If you go to templebaptistnc.com, you can find on the homepage there a Master Club Ministry. Click on that, and it'll walk you right through the registration right. process. And then uh, uh, the first Wednesday is, I believe, August 30th. Yes. And so just bring your kids, and, uh, you know, if you have any food allergies, make sure that you let us know. All of our workers have uh, went through background check and, and training, and so uh, we really do put on a, a very good program for young people. And uh, if your church doesn't have a midweek service like that, we encourage you to come and participate, bring your kids. We will do our very, very best to minister to them in a very safe environment. Uh, we'll love them. We have, we've had visitors uh, off and on through the years, and the kids uh, just, uh, they are so excited, and they brag about how much they love coming to Temple Baptist Master Club. So get in on it, folks. Uh, we, we certainly want to roll out the red carpet and invite you, and we hope to see you on August 30th. Do you struggle with managing money? Do you never seem to have enough to make ends meet? Maybe you secretly envy the financial wealth of others. Whether you have a great deal of money or very little, until you really believe that the money in your possession is not your money, but God's money, your finances will always be a source of discontent. Our Heavenly Father owns it all, yet we worry and fret over not having enough. We manipulate to get more, then agonize over losing what we have. Freedom from this preoccupation with money, we call it financial bondage, involves more than having enough money to bask in the shade of a prosperous lifestyle. It's more than learning to budget expenses, to save regularly and invest wisely. True financial freedom is being content with what God gives you, and contentment is a matter of the heart. Brother Max, we talked last week about gambling. We talked a little bit about these Bible principles of money, but we're going to dive even further in it here today. I know many of our listeners, most people that we know have all had times, maybe many of them right now are having some financial struggles. It's a, it's a cause of marital contention, stress, anxiety, depression, uh, sometimes it is hard to make ends meet. And then on the flip side of that coin, you have some people that they're not worrying about having enough. They're just uh, allowing that to be the thing that controls their life. Maybe having too much money can be the result of discontentment because I've learned, and I think that we've learned not only personal experience but observation, that no matter how much you have, Human nature always wants just a little bit more. Yeah. And so Jesus taught some things. The, the Word of God has says so much about money, and that's what we want to talk about here today. And, and I agree, and the thing we can look at in Scripture, if you wanted to see a life of a person that epitomizes what you just mentioned, even about having coming from nothing and then having plenty but still being discontent, is the life of Solomon and his writings. You know, you read the things he wrote in Ecclesiastes about it all ended up being vanity. Uh, uh, the windows of heaven definitely opened up for him financially, 
And you read even year by year all the things that other nations and people brought to him. There was nothing restrained that was coming to him, but at the end of his life and days, it did not satisfy. Mm -hmm. It did not meet that void in his heart. Only God can do that. And it's not to say that, okay, I'm going to live this pious, financial, independent, not having anything. I'm not going to have a house. I'm not going to have this. I'm not, I, it doesn't do it either. It, it, it is godliness with contentment. What God has given you, right? Being satisfied with those things. And I, I think every Christian ought to really read and study the life of Solomon and the path that he was on how good it was in the beginning as he walked with God, but as his heart started being taken away from these things, how it all changed. He went through all different kinds of cycles. And like you said, Ecclesiastes is written from the perspective of the man under the sun. Mm -hmm. You got to be careful. And I know some of the other religions take a lot of doctrine from the book of Ecclesiastes. And I'm not saying that what's all, you know, it's in the word of God. And so it's true. But you have to take the context and the perspective. It's right. written from the viewpoint of the man under the sun. And so Solomon said repeatedly about what we're talking about, all is vanity and vexation of spirit. It doesn't bring fulfillment. It doesn't bring peace and happiness and contentment. The more that you have, the more that you're going to worry about. Mm -hmm. And at the end of Ecclesiastes, he said this, let us hear the conclusion of the matter. Fear God and keep his commandments. Amen. But then also when he was writing out the Proverbs, and I don't know exactly what stage of his life when he wrote this, but he said, give me neither poverty nor riches. And he showed that there are ditches on both sides of that. Right. If you have poverty, then there's the temptation to steal and be dishonest. If you have riches, then there's the tendency to think I'm self-sufficient and to deny God or to curse God and think, well, I don't really need God because I have enough. And, you know, that's where that kind of that middle class, everything that the devil's trying to do globally, what he's done in other countries, he's, I think he's really close to accomplishing that here in the USA, and that is get rid of the middle class. Yeah, to destroy it. Destroy that middle class, and he's got control. And and those are biblical principles. And so money's always something that is an important part of life. Uh, we can't say that it's not. Uh, I used to tell people this all the time. You know, payday, you get your paycheck, and I'd always say that, you know, I don't need the money. And people look at you, what? You don't need the money? And I go, nope, the people I owe do, right. <laughs> which was, you know, which was real true at the time. And I've been through, um, I've been through some, uh, especially most of my married life, especially when our children were still at home, uh, we were always scraping to, to get by. And even as the income would increase, the demands on that income, kids get older and more clothes. And I, I used to joke about this, that the, um, the doctor's bill, I, I, would, I would try to never pay it off. <laughs> you know, I'd pay it all off but a dollar because as soon as I paid it off, guess what happened? It came the next an one. injury or an illness, and it's just like I, I didn't get to enjoy having that bill paid off for very long. So it was almost like, oh, no, I'm getting ready to pay this off. That means somebody's going to get sick or hurt, and there's going to be another big doctor bill. But, you know, you, you, you say that in frustration because over the years, 
we had to learn that the 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 bottom line it didn't always look good on paper but i can say with all confidence that god saw us through you know we never missed a meal god took care of us and doesn't mean that we didn't have to i had times where i'd lay awake at night and i would commit the sin of worry you know as preachers talk about the sin of worry and i guess i'm a big sinner because i have a tendency to worry but uh, finances can be a great source of that, and it's not always because of mismanagement. A lot of times it's circumstances that are out of our control. Yeah, very, very true. And, and I know this isn't a, a financial show, and I know it's not a political show. We're looking at uh, things biblically and scripturally as we should, but there are those outside things that do affect, and especially Christians, and politically, and uh, the political economic system in our country has made policy decisions, banking, uh, U.S. indebtedness, other things that do impact the individual and their ability to live, work, and even uh, try to achieve a state of not being indebted, to have that financial freedom and liberty, and it is, it is difficult. You know, and those are outside forces that do, as you mentioned, things that are out of our control that can create havoc and mm-hmm. problems. But the Bible teaches us some principles that at least we can not over leverage, overdo, and weather some of those storms. Yeah. You know, and, you know, debtedness has become the norm for everyone. People are more they're more worried about their credit rating than they are their bottom line and we're seeing that in our nation our whole nation is being managed that way that we don't care uh, the correlation between how much is coming in and how much is going out we'll just borrow it and we keep raising the credit limit and you know eventually that's we all know that's going to implode it has to there's just no way that it cannot and so we know that there is a financial crisis coming and we're not going to go into this shock and awe prophecy like some of the financial uh, ministries do. Yeah. We know it's coming. Just common sense says that. And it, whether it comes this year, next year, or maybe it never happens in our lifetime, eventually it's going to happen. Oh. And that's going to lend into the 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 antichrist and the tribulation period it's all heading that way one world bank one world economy and all of that we we know that but in the meantime we have to learn how to live off of bible principles a lot of most of debtedness is not circumstantial it's not the high cost of living it's the cost of high living and i remember if you remember uh you know during covid and even prior to that the times that they talk about recession. You know, we're in the middle of a recession. Well, in the middle of recession, I remember driving by restaurant after restaurant and the parking lots are always full. They're packed. And I think, I don't think this is the same recession as our grandparents went through. Because I can remember some times growing up where there just, there wasn't money. There wasn't jobs to be had. You know, and, and I remember it was not, about are we going to get to go out to eat it was about is there anything in the refrigerator or the cupboard i i I had times growing up where my dad is a hard worker he worked hard not a lazy bone in his body 
And yet there were times due to circumstances where coming home from school, opening up the cupboard, it's like uh, there's really not much here. And uh, we had to learn how. There's some people that are listening that have never even come close to experiencing that. I had it pretty good growing up. My dad, he wasn't a high wage earner, but he, as a child, went through some really hard times, especially on the front with food, broken home. And one thing he did and did well was always make sure there was food in the house. Mm -hmm. I mean, we, we did have that. We, we ate pretty good. We didn't have fancy clothes, fancy shoes. We didn't have all that. We had a junk car. We had food, and, yeah. I, and I'm thankful for that. God has been good; He has blessed. Yeah. But you're right; it's a big issue in our society is is the high living, and there is so much pressure, even on Christians, to keep up, to have. We put so much emphasis on fads. We put so much on it being bright and shiny and new, and then the lure is one easy payment a month, right? And for $5 more a month, you can have this for $30 more, and it just keeps adding and adding and adding, and, it, and that starts appealing to our vanity and things we want rather than the need, and that starts creating the trouble. And I think that's a fact that's created a mentality in, in all of human nature is that we want gratification now. And it's really chipped away at the concept of living by faith. You know, this life that we live here on this earth is just temporary. And so there's going to be an afterlife. Whether you're saved or lost, you're going somewhere. It's either heaven or hell. And we need to start living for the afterlife. And heaven is what we need to be living for. We'll talk more about that after the break. Well, as we continue our discussion here on the biblical view of, of debt and these things, Proverbs 22.7 has some, as we sp spoke earlier about Solomon, he's got some wisdom here uh, from the Word of God that we can, we can read. And it says, the rich, the rich ruleth over the poor, and the borrower is servant to the lender. And so it gives us a, a real basic principle of this. And there is freedom and being financially independent there is and those that are finding themselves on needing the debt you do become a servant you know it's been illustrated even in our country that so many americans now we're just we're just the rat running the wheel <laughs> and it's always before you just you're never getting ahead you're never getting anywhere and you always have this over your head and, and certain things with credit card debt and uh, even with those trying to save for a house and do for a house. And I just got my property tax bill. I don't even have a house on it yet. You know, there I am. I owe the man. I owe the government. I have to pay this bill. And it's like, okay, I look at that as I, I'm going behind on my investment here because yeah. that's 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 not doing anything for me. Man, I got to say this. I got my property bill yesterday, too, my property tax bill. Right. And I just, I looked at that. Well, it's like my house value, it, like everybody's around in our area, it, it was up a lot. But so was the tax bill. Oh. And I thought back to, oh, it's not been that many years ago where my house value plummeted. 
and it took them about five years to adjust my tax bill well down. Yeah, but they do it instantly when it goes yes. up, and I just thought, man, there's nothing we can do about it, but I guess we can whine a little bit about right. it. It's the just like it's very efficient at taking money. Just that is right. They, they're right, Johnny on the spot when it comes to adjusting your taxes yeah. when the value goes up. But That's true. It very very much is. And it, it the Bible is giving us some help. It's, it's warning us as individuals on getting into debt. Now, we discussed on break a little bit, which I know you want to get into, is in this thought. So is all debt bad? Is all is it sin? Yeah. Is a Christian should not have anything? Romans 13, 8, which many are probably listening are familiar with, owe no man anything. And there is two serious schools of thought yeah. on that. And I'll, I'll discuss the first one, and you can come in Fire on the second away. thought. So... With that, one main thought with that is that, yes, indeed, all debt is wrong. It, a Christian shouldn't have anything. They should be cash down, pay for everything, up front, no indebtedness. And uh, there are good preachers, and there are great men of God in days past that lived by that and, and did well. And there's no doubt, George Mueller, you can't argue, a great man of faith in mm -hmm. England, running in orphanages, running a church, uh, tens of thousands of young people, and the various stories of his faith and the faith of others in that ministry praying and what God did to provide. Sometimes it was in the nick of time. Uh, I know you're familiar with the story as well, the one morning, mm -hmm. there they are all sitting at the table, there's no bread, there's no milk, and by faith, George Mueller sits there and he, he prays just as if the there was bread on the table and milk in the glasses and everything's good, thanking God for what he has done and what he's provided, and there's nothing there. And then shortly after, the knock on the door, the bread man, hey, you need this. And then a little bit later, the milk man. Didn't the milkman, like, like break down? Yeah, his cart broke down. His cart broke down right in front of the orphanage, and all the milk was going to spoil, and he, yes. he had no, no idea that the orphanage needed it. And so that, it does take faith, and there is good to have faith in God and trust Him for certain things, and there are good principles in delaying debt, right? Mm -hmm. Praying to God being patient for him to provide because we can get impatient on a deal oh this is a great deal i got to get it now and we don't wait and are patient let god provide in his time mm -hmm. and so there are principles we there are a lot of people that have made rash decisions and then two years later i know a young man he made a rash decision the car salesman just talked him up and the next thing you know, he's coming back with the bright, shiny car. And within three months, totally regretting the decision. Yeah. And the pressure of the payment and everything else. Mm -hmm. And so, and then it, it became a real, as you talked about, stress and everything else. But is there a responsible way to that? Is that the only approach? Again, I believe in balance. I believe in responsibility. And we also have to look at our time, our culture, 
And for young people especially, the average nationwide cost of a house now, average, you know, New York, California, everything is 426000 A married couple, 24 years old, how are they going to come up with 426000 to buy the average cost That's of right. a home today? Yeah. So you have to look at the other side of it, which you have. Well, and then the whole work environment, it's like, really, it's the, our culture is conducive of dual income homes, mm -hmm. mom and dad both working. That's understandable in some situations. I know for me personally, when my wife and I got married, I, I was right with God and I was trying to follow the Bible before we got married. And so we, we made a decision that uh, when we get married, I, I'm going to provide. She had, a, she had a better paying job than I did. When we got married, she quit that job. I wanted her to be a homemaker. And I was just, I wasn't really managing my finances as much as I was managing my character. I knew that I was weak and that if I got used to that second income, when the kids came along, it would be impossible. We'd be stuck. And so it wasn't a strength. I guess the only strength that I had was accepting my own weakness and so I headed that off at the pass and she quit her job and uh, she had a little job uh, at a florist doing something she enjoyed doing and I told her look whatever you make that's your spending money because we were on a tight budget I wasn't making very good money I was still in Bible Institute and all these things but as far as the bills whatever we needed to live and survive I'm taking care of those and we had some lean times and I had to mow lawns and I had to work extra but it was good for me it was good for us and God was faithful there were times where we had to go into debt to pay a, a need if a car broke down or this and that. And so I agree, I, I, well, I say I agree, the Bible makes it clear that the borrower is servant to the lender. Romans 13, owe no man anything. But we have to qualify what, what is that referring to? Is all debt sinful because of those principles? Well, the Bible talks about lending and borrowing. And it doesn't say that it's sinful. Uh, why would God give parameters for lending if it was a sinful act that, you know, if it's wrong or sinful to borrow, then it's certainly wrong or sinful to lend. So the Bible, you have to take it in its entirety in context. And so some would say that sinful indebtedness is not borrowing anything. It's not being able to make the payment. You know, so some people, it's like, well, I, I don't owe anybody anything as long as I'm making that payment. And yet the borrower is servant to the lender, so the principle needs to apply that we shouldn't get overextend ourselves or we're going to end up serving those that we have borrowed money from. And so it's not necessarily a all black or white issue. It's the context and taking every situation into consideration. You're so right about the cost of homes. Our whole culture is different. It used to be everybody kind of, most people grew up on the family farm. And they had land that was given to them and inheritance. And they had, they had a start when they got married. You know, for my wife and I, we had nothing. And so, you know, borrowing, uh, getting a mortgage for a house, the, uh, I guess the financial benefit of that is historically the value of homes goes up higher, goes up faster than the interest rate that you're paying on that mortgage. 
And so in some in most cases to to wait to buy a home, you're never going to get there because the cost of the home is going to go up faster than your rate of being able to save up to buy it. Right. And and part of that has been, again, cultural shifts and changes. We we no longer look at having a home as this where I'm going to raise my family. I'm going to have this. And it's just a place of safety. It's it's responsibility. It's now all. Well, this is an investment. I want 15% appreciation every year, I, this, that, and all these other things. And that has been and, and has been a big push in our society, which, again, compounds the problem for young, responsible families trying to start out. The Lord Jesus Christ, he did speak of borrowing and lending. He, he taught very specific things in Scripture, and you know, the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 5. And he, he says this, Give to him that asketh thee. And from him that would borrow of thee, turn not thou away. So he does address this issue of these needs and borrowing. And Deuteronomy speaks of what was supposed to be done with usury and all these types of things the Bible does speak to and do. And it's not without biblical principle that there are guidelines for borrowing and lending, right? And, but the biggest thing is, is with anything, is not getting overextended, not committing something that you can't pay. Mm-hmm. And our society will, the pressure is huge. It was when I was a young man, the pressure. I remember the first time I wanted a brand new pickup. I mean, that salesman was doing, I, I had the pickup and I was, hook, I was on hook, line, and sinker, but by the time I left that parking lot, because I was so into it and so committed, it was stripped of everything good. Yeah. What I wanted to begin with, you know, the, 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 the floor runners, all the, the wheels, I, I, and it was because I got hooked. Yeah. And, and the way we get hooked is with the lust of the eye. Exactly. We see something and we want it or think, I just have to have that. Or the you know the the ear also listening to what you know salesmen I, salesmen are trying to make a living and i'm not saying that all salesmen are unethical i agree but they have a perspective that even if they have some empathy toward you they're still doing it i i, I was in sales and i had somebody ask me a question one time uh, why should i buy this from you and i just you know i'm being honest it's like well because I need the commission check. <laughs> you know, you have a need. It's a product that fits your need. And I just looked at him and I just told him, it's a good product. You need it. If you, you know, my main reason is I'm trying to make a living off that. They respected that and they bought it. And so it all worked out good. We're going to talk about next segment about some financial management principles. So stay tuned. Some good stuff coming up. Malachi chapter 3, verse number 10 says, Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be meat in mine house. This is God speaking. And prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing, that there shall not be room enough to receive it. Folks, we're talking about financial debtedness, financial management. This is a verse at the end of the Old Testament that talks about tithing. A tithe is 10%. 
In the Old Testament, they would tithe off of their crops and anything that came into their possession. The Bible says the tithe is the Lord's. So God says 10% of your increase belongs to me. In the New Testament, I still believe in tithing, and some people argue about that, and I can't prove that God, that the tithe is a New Testament doctrine, but it's still the same God, and so it's it certainly it's at the least, principle. Is at there? least it's a basic principle. Yes. It's where we start with exactly because the, the New Testament says to give and, and it shall be given unto you. And I know so many ministries, bunch of charlatans out there that they'll emphasize that and say you need if you'll give money to our ministry, then God will bless you and you'll be prosperous. That's a that's a bunch of baloney. It's not true. Listen, you, if you're going to give, you need to give to the Lord, and the Lord will lead you and guide you. Now, this storehouse in Malachi was talking about the, the, the priesthood and the temple and all of that. And so I think there's a, certainly a principle that would carry over to the church. If the local church could be considered the storehouse. I'm not dogmatic about that, but I think there's some principles that every believer ought to consider. But when we give, we're not giving to a church or to a person. If we give it as unto the Lord, then and only then do we incur God's blessings upon that gift. If we're giving, expecting something in return, if people put offering in the, when we pass the plate at Temple Baptist Church, if they're giving to Temple Baptist Church, then the only thing they're going to get in return is what Temple Baptist Church can do for them. Now, we can teach them the Bible, and we can provide a social atmosphere and do some nice things for their children and so forth, but that's all they're going to get. The windows of heaven, though, it has to be done as unto the Lord. And Brother Max, I, I came up with this outline. As preachers, we have preaching outlines. And I know back in the day, every point was supposed to start with the same letter. Right. And so I came up with one. I wanted to be a good preacher. So I figured out the formula for financial success, three points, and they all start with the letter T. Are you ready for this? Yes. All right. Number one, trust. Number two, tithe. Number three, try. All of these principles are in the Bible. We've got to trust God. Ultimately, that's where it starts, having faith that God is going to keep his promise, Philippians chapter number four, but my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Number two, tithe. We just read the Malachi reference. You, you know, you give to the Lord and he'll give to you. And then the try, that's, that's work. That means we've got to get out there trusting and tithing. If you just sit at home on your couch when you should be working a job or doing everything you can, you can't expect God to bless and provide under that atmosphere. You've got to get out there and roll up your sleeves and work by the sweat of your brow and get do something productive in order to earn some money. So if you just want a simple formula for success, it's right there. Trust, tithe, and try. I'll send you the bill. I like it. <laughs> you incorporate all these things, I'll send you the bill. I'll do my best. <laughs> no, but those are true principles, and and I believe in the same as you. I believe in, you know, we should give back to the Lord and to his work. It's his. We do it out of a thankful, grateful heart, not expecting and not has been too many. There's been too many so-called preachers taking certain scriptures and saying, "Pray this John whatever prayer," you know, 
and even the prayer of Jabez and all these different things, and this is going to, you do, you, you send this in, then all this is going to come unto you. Uh, that's, that's not the principle we do because we love the Lord. We want to see his work flourish. We want to see people's lives changed spiritually. Right. And we want to see his spiritual blessings even upon our country, not just so that we all have Mercedes Benzes or whatever is the flare of the vehicle we want today so we can all have 5,000 square feet McMansions and all these different things. Now, I'm all about a good steak and some of that, and if that comes through, Obviously, then I'm crab, okay. uh, crab well, dinner, that's, too. Obviously, crab dinner, too. That's different. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the, the Apostle Paul said that, he said, I've learned how to abound and how to be abased. I've learned how to be happy and content when I got plenty of money. I've learned how to be happy and content when I don't know how I'm going to pay next week's bill. And so that's all part of life. And this formula, trusting, tithing, and trying, will work. And in the trying part, we already mentioned about getting out there and working. But that trying is also doing something about what we have control over. And so if you're going to help yourself financially, obviously you got to either have more money coming in or less money going out, or both of those. And so maybe you need to uh, try to improve your uh, finances by getting a better job, or maybe taking a class that could, you know, give you a promotion or a better career. Those are all certainly options. Some of those we don't have control over, but then the being frugal with what we have. You know, um, budgeting is a very important uh, tool and helping us financially. And I know everybody's, there's different takes on budgeting. Some people have strict budgeting. I have kind of a a quasi approach to budgeting. I I don't let the budget uh, control me. But one thing that budgeting does that has been a huge help to me personally is it causes me to track all of my spending every uh, month. Now, many people have heard of Dave Ramsey. He's got a an app or a program that you can get for free, or you can, if you purchase it, then it'll download all of your bank transactions, and you can put those in every budget category, and it'll do the math. Every, every time you enter that, it'll tell you up to the moment how much money at. in that month that you have spent on that, and you can keep track. And I found that if I'm tracking it, then I can look. It's like, whoa, I, I need to rein this back. You know, I had enough money to, to, to buy that shirt that I wanted or those, that pair of shoes. I had it in the bank, but it's out of proportion with how much that I want to spend on that. And so just that accountability is very important. Some people are a little bit more rigid with their budgeting. It's like, hey, I'm not going to go over this monthly budget. But I know for me, sometimes I go over in one category, I go under in another. And if I'm tracking that, then I can look at that without spending two hours going through a bunch of receipts and papers, and I can see that. And that's been a a huge uh, investment to be able to do that. And so that's been a huge tool. So either more money's got to be coming in or less going out, learning how to be frugal. And I know you know a thing about this. Of you know, <laughs> that's not a joke. I mean, I I com- I, I compliment, I admire you um, for how you can be so frugal, and so that's certainly something that we need to take into consideration. It is, and there's a lot of different principles for those. I didn't that say are, you were cheap. There is a difference. Yeah, that are, there is. There is. <laughs> and, 
you know, there are some, if those maybe listening or having some struggles with this is one thing to do right off is to start writing down all that you spend in a month and what you spend it on. And you'll be surprised. Mm-hmm. It will be shocking. Look, you can't go to a convenience store at Sheets and you go in and you buy stuff off the shelf. It's expensive. Mm-hmm. That that Coke, that bag of jerky, that whatever else, we do a lot of frivolous spending. And since it's under 10 bucks or 15 bucks or 20, we don't, well, that because we're always looking at the bit, well, I can't afford my $700 car payment. But we don't look at during a month how many times we've gone to Starbucks and blown eight bucks, sometimes twice a day, mm-hmm. how that all adds up at the end of the month. And it'll be shocking to many how much discretionary spending is wasted. A lot of people things. would think I'm spending thirty or forty dollars extra a month, but when they actually figure it all out you find out that it's more like $230 and it, it adds just all up. adds up. And so I, the other thing I encourage, I've encouraged my son-in-laws when they, they married my daughters, you need to now start saving for retirement. You, you need a savings six months for your monthly expenses. These are goals and things. Well, I can't afford it. Well, it takes a dollar at a time to start putting towards that. You've got to start. You can't say I can't. You've got to start. And those are things Dave Ramsey teaches as well. Mm-hmm. You just make it happen. Yeah. And and we're we're given all the same principles as Dave Ramsey, only we're being a lot nicer about it, don't you think? Yeah. I, I always I, he does a good job and he's got some good stuff but and they're 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 based <laughs> I always said this is Dave Ramsey's ministry. Right. Get out of debt, you stupid idiot. <laughs> Proverbs says consider the ant thou sluggard. Yeah. Right? You talked about that. These are biblical principles that you have to do. That is so true. As we close here folks, the bottom line, put God first. Put God first in every aspect of your life, especially your finances. Jesus said, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. If you'll put God first, then he will lead you and guide you in every decision that you make, and the outcome will be to your best. You'll be happy. You'll be content. We appreciate you joining us today. God bless you. We appreciate you taking the time to join us at Salt and Light. It is our desire that you experience the joy of following Jesus Christ. He loves you, and he died on the cross for your sins. He will give you hope, peace, and eternal life if you will repent of your sins and trust him as your Savior. You may see yourself as a good person, but you will never be good enough to deserve heaven. You may see yourself as bad, but you can never be too bad for Jesus to forgive you. You can call upon him to save you this very moment. If you are a born-again Christian, we want to encourage you to obey Christ's command and be salt and light to those around you. We encourage you to find a Bible-believing church that does not compromise or water down the Bible. Get involved serving the Lord. If you have a Bible question or a particular issue you would like us to discuss on Salt and Light, visit our website at templebaptistnc.com. Click on the Salt and Light link. Once again, that's templebaptistnc.com. May the Lord bless you. We hope you'll join us again next week.